Hello, Thibodeau. Welcome to the Sandy Holloway Podcast. I'm your host, Vera, and I'm sitting here with Sandy Holloway, a candidate for the mayor of Thibodeau. Sandy's my mother-in-law, and after 18-plus years of being a part of the Holloway family, I've seen her face numerous challenges and successfully resolve them. So we are diving deep. I'll be asking tough questions, but Sandy's ready. She has faced hard challenges before and is a proven leader. Sandy desires to bring growth and unity to our city. And I think you need to hear for yourself what she can do for the greater good of the Thibodeau community. Each Tuesday until election day, we will talk through the challenges our city faces and Sandy's goals for meeting those challenges. So let's get started. Welcome back to episode two of the Sandy Holloway podcast. Last week, we got to launch the podcast and we have had a fantastic conversation with Miss Sandy. We have talked about her family. We have talked about lessons in leadership. You guys have got to know a little bit about why she is running for mayor. If you have not listened to episode one, you probably want to take the time now, stop episode two, go back to episode one get the introduction of why she has decided to run for mayor, what has brought her to this point. And then after you finish that, dive into episode two. Each week, we will be launching new content. So thank you so much for those who have already downloaded the show, have already started tuning in. We appreciate your feedback. We appreciate you listening. And it just makes us more excited for November 8th. So once again, it's Tuesday and I have Miss Sandy here again, and we really want to build off of what we were talking about last week. I want to first start with a little bit of Sandy's experience over the last 30 years, and I want her to be able to tell us some high points and some low points that have shaped her as a leader and has really prepared her to serve as mayor if elected. So let's really dive into that. All right. Welcome back, Miss Sandy. Hi, everyone. I'm so happy to be back with uh, with Vera. You all. All right. So, Miss Sandy, after having a career and being so involved in different civic engagements and different things, I want you to kind of go back for a minute and tell us about your roots in Thibodeau and what made you choose to raise your family in Thibodeau. Absolutely. Uh, I am thrilled to be able to uh, speak about that. Um, Living here um, has uh, really made me uh, appreciate what I have. But if we go back in time, actually, I was just, I had just turned 22 and I was getting married uh, a matter of weeks before Skip found out that we were uh, possibly moving to Thibodeau. He had a job offer and he was searching around the state for uh, that potential opportunity. He had just finished his his, um, college in architecture and um, this firm in Thibodeau, uh, Gasway and um, Dawson offered him this job. And so he took them up on this. And so 
he lined it out. We were getting married and then we were going to move here the week after our marriage. So this young little girl was like, oh my God, I'm leaving my parents. I'm leaving home. And I want you to know this was the best adventure that we decided to do. So we moved here a week after our wedding and we, he started the job the Monday, like it was eight days after our wedding. So we've been here ever since. So, uh, and say that we chose this location without really understanding my roots were here as my great, great grandfather was from here and he moved out for better opportunities in the St. Morton area. And then I chose to Thibodeau as our home at an early age, I mean, uh, early on of age 22. And we started our roots here, uh, job opportunity. I started work here in Lafouche Parish as a teacher. And I want you to know that it, it was such a blessing to be raised with um, with parents and the roots of my great-great-grandfather was from my mom. And my dad had uh, a first grade education. He didn't even complete first grade. So all he knew how to do was write his name. Mom had a seventh grade education and they had to work two jobs to be able to afford our home life. And, but there was one thing I always remembered with them is that they valued education. They expected all four of their children to graduate from high school. And that was their uh, goal, their determination. And I was uh, very fortunate for that because I also valued education in my life. Yes. So at the young age of 22, you moved to the metropolis of Thibodeau, huh? No. <laughs> quite far from a metropolis. You moved from Lafayette to a little bitty town. And 46 years later, would you have ever thought you would be running for mayor of the city that you Never, put roots down in. Never would I have thought that. But it doesn't surprise myself because of once I settled into Thibodeau, it was immediately uh, offered to me to engage into community service. And back then it was the JCs for Skip. Yeah. and the Janes for the ladies. And oh, I, I wasn't here, but just a matter of weeks. And um, I was just surrounded by friends that we met and knew. And um, we like just put our feet to the ground and started doing community service for Thibodeau. So that was our groundbreaking for the uh, city and getting to know the city and people in the city. And it hasn't stopped since then. Very involved in the city and uh, with community work projects and service. Yeah. So I know that you got your undergrad from you at what is now UL back then it was what USL correct correct okay so back then it was USL I know you got your undergraduate from there and then you ended up deciding to get your graduate degrees at Nichols so tell us like what really prompted that for you well of course I was loved school very engaged in uh, my high school years with service and organizations and same thing with the college life of being involved on the college level. And Wait, let's pause. Miss Andy, tell the audience, what did you do at USL? Outside of going to college, what extracurricular activity did you do? Well, my I definitely have seen pictures. Okay. 
Well, um, my extracurricular activities was that I was on the UL Sweetheart dance team. So I was a dancer uh, during my college years and which was a surprise to me, but I made the dance team because I came from high school being on the volleyball team as state champs. So I was like very athletic. And so that's where your, your kids get their athletic oh, athleticism I'm, from, right? Uh, well, I am. Yes, Vera. It's from <laughs> me. And I'm hoping Mr. Skip doesn't hear this. Okay. But, um, yeah, yeah. We'll I'm hide this part from him. With the athletics, you know, area. And, I, you know, like, yeah, I was homecoming queen. Yeah, I was very uh, involved, engaged in my high school life. And then, of course, here I am. They're saying, oh, you need to just try out for the dance team. And you so, tried out for the dance team and yeah. made it. <laughs> I made the dance team. And so my friends that were on the volleyball team, they tried out for UL volleyball team and there were four of them that made it and I ventured out to this so it was a challenge for me yeah let me just try out for the team and there were only two of us that were able to make it there was two out of a, like there were probably 100 girls in the the gym trying out and there were two of us that made it and I was one of them oh, nice. and I was like, okay let's just do it so <laughs> she went from playing sports in high school to being on the dance team so as you can I mean that's a funny story but really there is seriously no challenge that she is not willing to take yeah even right. trying out for the college dance team. Yeah. So with the plumes and the boots and the everything besides the, instead of a ball and tennis shoes, here I am. With yeah. So I'm going to have to dig up one of those pictures so we yeah. can post it on social media. So you guys know what we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So in, uh, so if I could, say how I got involved into the College of Education. There were teachers in high school that knew how involved I was, how I loved school. And they said, you need to consider this. You would really be a good teacher. So of course, my best friend and I go into the College of Education and we finished. There were about four of us that went into the education field and loved it. We just love that. We love working with students. And I took a liking into the special ed area. Uh, I was desired to see success with students. So I got my undergrad degree in special ed. It was a dual major, special ed and regular ed. Then I began working here in Lafouche and um, had opportunities here. I come in with this so, this um, certification in socially maladjusted and emotionally disturbed. So I was like the first teacher that uh, was hired as a teacher for the emotionally disturbed and socially maladjusted. So I worked with those students, which was quite a challenge, but we worked it through. And um, so during my teaching career, I, I just felt like, oh, I love this. I love seeing success with students. I would love to lead a school one day. And sure enough, this is why I ended up going back, getting my master's plus 30 in curriculum and instruction and supervision and administration because I, I desired to be an administrator someday. And um, so it led me to that, um, understanding what finance was all about, management and strategies and techniques for success with children. Okay, quite some experience over the years. So I've heard you talk about how many how many times you were recruited to leadership roles for what looked like to an outsider, like an impossible job or at least appeared to be a tremendous challenge. And I've said this starting in episode one, that you are not afraid of a challenge. In actuality, I think your personality thrives 
in challenges, whether it's fun or whether it's difficult or whether it's something that's even brings sadness to you and really breaks your heart, you're, you're still willing to um, put your hands in there and do the hard work. But I want you to tell the audience more about being recruited and why were you recruited? Why were people coming to you and asking you to take on really difficult positions? And this is even before the Bessie board position. This is before you've ever considered mayor. You know, why were they coming to you to help deal with these impossible situations? I believe that it was from my teaching experience and having tremendous success with with students. Um, with having a SPAD background, I understood data, understood where to take a kid from to that goal line and worked really hard to get a child there. And um, that was motivating for me. Yes, it was a challenge, but I still felt that's what I was called to do. And when you're called, you know, it's like, you you don't question it. You it's 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 something that has always been in my life. Um, you don't question it. You move and you pray and you say, okay, God's going to equip me with what I need to uh, form this success with children. And um, and from that, I've had supervisors or leaders that have been my mentor and guided me through my life experience in education, which brings me to where I am today, looking at what can I offer citizens. But when I look back of when I was recruited, there are probably two to three things that stand out to me. Uh, One is being recruited to lead a school for my first time, leading a school that was a C school. And when the superintendent says, I'm going to point you here, it's a C school. I know your efforts. I know there's challenges. You can overcome this because children, children are at stake. Yeah. And um, so you get in there, you work it. I expect some great results. So I'm like, okay, let's see what we can do. Because I am a researcher. I am a studier. Uh, I will get in there, uh, my grit, my determination. And I brought this school to an A. And as of today, this school is still thriving. Wow. As an A school. And it's exemplary. Actually, the state's going to recognize them as an exemplary school. So the foundation was set. Was it a lot of work? Absolutely. Did it take my staff to work hard? Yes. They were accountable. They knew it and they worked it. And so the school is still successful today. And then there was another. Wow. Group. What school is that? Uh, St. Charles Elementary. I'm so proud of the principal there, the staff there. I'm really still proud of the efforts that have been made there through the previous administrations that came after me. And that's amazing. And so St. Charles Elementary is is the elementary school I actually went to. It's the elementary school. I mentioned this in the last podcast. My brothers went to school there. And so I grew up in St. Charles community. It's right outside of the city limits of Thibodeau. And it's just a great a great place community school and so it happened and of course i was appointed as the supervisor of disproportionality and um and data and intervening and helping educators learn how to be proactive with at-risk students so that was a really good uh, experience for me and then start up a bca of when i was asked to consider this and always desired to have a school, to lead a school, to start up a school, and this happened. But it took stakeholders that 
had a vision and looking at a startup, having an educator to help them. And I took a year off to do that, hiring the most effective individuals to run the school, the principal to the finance director and the staff. So that was uh, such a, a rewarding experience. And then it took me into, and that was a school of choice. And that was such a, um, I, I think uh, one of the probably, I, I don't know what word to use, but in my life that I crossed over from a traditional setting to a school of choice and to explain to community members what is a school of choice and parents beginning to understand that they have a right for a school of choice. Um, and the school today, I mean, in two years, it was an A school and it still thrives today after 12 years as an A school. So I commend the staff there, the board there. And um, while I was at BCA, I was sought out to consider to run for Bessie. Yes. Elementary and secondary ed. I never even thought of considering political uh, life uh, and having that opportunity. But when I was approached by people in the state to think about it because of my experience, what my background looked like with traditional school, with school of choice, they felt I would be a really good representation on the board. And so there was much thought there and consideration. And so here I go into this um, political life, running for Bessie, working through all this because it was an incumbent that I was coming against. Right. And so I did a, a bit great work with the team and I won my first term and then I served four years and they know that I'm a big advocate for parental choice. And so that was a plus. And then I go into my second term and I had an opponent. I won again with one of the highest percentages of winning uh, on Bessie. So I've served that. But I So you have been serving, it will be coming up to eight years. Yes, am I correct? That is correct. Eight years on Bessie serving. And then during my time on my, I guess my sixth year, I was asked to consider to run for president. Yes, of the, of the board. So that was another uh, recruitment there of, of doing that. But little did I know, coming into my term as president the first year, we knew we had to select um, a superintendent of education. We were really excited about that. And um, but little did we know that COVID would hit. So I served on the board this first year and second year in the most challenging times of my educational experience. Um, and as president, you know, making tough decisions that balance the health and education of children, yes. then preparing them to receive and invest not millions, but billions of dollars statewide to help kids to recover their learning loss. Look, and, and it was it was a, a tough time, but we had to ensure the plan was in place, transparency and accountability for how those dollars would be used and being clear about what those priorities should be and played an important role. So I guess, as you can see, I don't um, I don't see challenges as barriers. Right. I see them as opportunities for creativity and innovation. And we did. It was uh, that's it was, so good, because after you mentioned the pandemic, but after the pandemic in South Louisiana, we were hit by Hurricane Ida. That is correct. Oh, so, I, I forgot about that. So you were Absolutely. not just president during the pandemic. You were president during Hurricane Ida right. when so many students were displaced. So many students did not even have access to a school building. 
And so, and it, it actually happened in your community, your actual community that you were living in. So yes, you were representing a many, many parishes for this, your state Bessie board position, but Hurricane Ida blew through your, you know, the home of Thibodeau region. Yeah. And when you're in this position, it's so important to be able to persevere, to remain level-headed and to see things through the completion of the challenge that you're in and to keep it even keeled, to keep above all this. And um, with that experience, um, I know what it takes to uh, take the charge in, in uh, something that was so challenging. Yes, and, uh, yes. So you definitely have experience after that pandemic, after the hurricane. But when you mentioned that, it had me thinking that in many ways here in Thibodeau, we are at a crossroads. We are at a crossroads where we either become more creative, more innovative, we continue to grow and thrive, or we remain stagnant. We remain stagnant as a community. And that is something that more than ever, we need a leader who is going to move us into a, and position us into a place where we have high quality jobs. We have solid economic development happening. We have safety and prosperity for everyone in our community. And never before have we needed someone prepared and ready to lead for these types of things. And so can you tell us and tell the listeners, one, are you ready for that? Are you really ready for that? And two, what are the most urgent issues that you feel our community is facing? Uh, well, I am. I am ready because of what I've just expressed through our talk uh, the last few minutes. And with my experience, what challenges I had been faced with, barriers that I don't feel or uh, roadblocks, it, you have to look at them as opportunities. But it's, it's so important to keep yourself leveled headed as you work through these um, these opportunities, like I see for uh, Thibodeau, understanding the importance of bringing stakeholders and elected leaders from all levels together and having relations, uh, relationships already in place to do so. And I, I feel this is what I can bring to the table about bringing stakeholders together because as an elected official at this moment, I have built relationships with legislators in Baton Rouge and also relationships with congressmen in D.C. And for us as a community to have that um, financial stability, it's important. Not only are we collecting uh, revenue from sales tax or your property tax, but you want capital outlay funds. You want monies coming in from Baton Rouge. And by right, I truly believe Thibodeau deserves more than what we've had to be in Baton Rouge, working it with legislators to uh, and our local legislators to understand the urgency that Thibodeau deserves um, that pool of money, and also in D.C. to be there to work to get funds for whether it is for our uh, utility systems, our infrastructure, capital outlay, and I have experience with that collaboration and being wise that it's important that to be wise with the investment of our tax 
taxpayer dollars while working to identify additional dollars for priorities. Yes. And I believe in accountability and I also believe in transparency for our community. As an elected official, it is my job to be accountable and to be transparent. And you did ask about what does it look like, the priorities coming forth. Yes. I don't want to give all of it, so maybe okay. we can talk about you know this, but I do want to say with my walk throughout the city, it has been so rewarding and learning so much from our citizens and for them to be able to share what their concerns are. And throughout the city, there are so many concerns, issues. There are beautiful stories about our community, our great attributes. However, in different parts of the community, they feel like, oh, this is my concern. And the top priorities I felt uh, across the communities was drainage and infrastructure and also safety and reducing crime. And a third one is the desire for change. People want a voice at the table. People want fairness. They want opportunities, job opportunities. And um, these are issues that we should not overlook. We should be able to tackle them and be ready on day one to identify a plan of action and then move with urgency to get results is mm -hmm. what they're asking. But I could talk a lot about that. And I'm hoping that in our next episode, we can. Yes. And as and as Miss Andy has mentioned, she really listed out the top three priorities that she is seeing and she is hearing from constituents as she walks and door knocks. And I will have you know, she has officially walked the entire city limits in which she would represent. And she has knocked doors and she has met the constituents of Thibodeau, which is absolutely incredible to actually you know, you should see her her work table. It is a, this huge map and she has highlighted and she has marked what she has done and she's starting round two. Yeah. She has been already tackling. Well, we have some gaps that we went, oh, you know what? Maybe this little area here we haven't. So we're we're doing that this week and uh, next week. And we'll be out there. <laughs> That's awesome. But some of the priorities she is seeing that we are going to dive in in some of our podcasts is going to be infrastructure and drainage, you know, safety and reducing crime, a desire for people to see change, but also feel that they have a place at the table that all parts of the community are represented. And so today you really got to hear a little bit more about Miss Andy's background in education and how she has answered really tough calls and done it really well and been really successful at that. But with every podcast, I want to be able to end with something that is fun, something that brings me encouragement as I see the city growing and evolving and as Miss Andy is meeting people on the campaign trail. And one thing you may not know about her is there is very little food that she does not eat, okay? She, I always say, like, she will eat anything. I mean, she grew up in Bro Bridge. Her mom literally would put the entire chicken in the gumbo, like even the neck. Yes, <laughs> okay. And the brain. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and the brain. Okay. <laughs> With her traveling, you know, and walking and knocking doors and going to events, she's met a lot of people and she's gotten to try different food. So I'm going to put her in the hot seat. I'm going to, I want you to think 
what has been some of the most favorite food that you have recently tried by maybe a, a business owned in Thibodeau, someone who is doing something really great in Thibodeau. I want you to tell me about that. You can name three if you want, but you recently told me about this incredible meal you had and that I needed to go and check it out. Do you remember? Yeah, I do, but let me save that one for last, but you've got to try the beignets at Spars. We had breakfast there. Yeah. Um, and look, I don't want to ju name just a, a few of the Oh, no, believe me, we're going to talk about. Oh, we will. Okay. We will. And oh, the other night um, we were at my, Skip and I were at Gina's and you have to hear the Cajun uh, music jam. It was so good. They play on the first and uh, third Wednesdays at Gina's. And of course, I had to try their hamburger steak. It was so good. And Skip had their fries. He thinks that's the best in town. So, all right. Um, and then <laughs> we, I had to try some soul food I'd heard about at Mojo's. So, um, Skip and I have been at Mojo's and then Seth came with us this came with me this past time. I said, I want to go to Mojo's because I am hungry for some just really good country food. Now remember, um, they serve tripe there, which is the inside of the pig. So oh. oh yeah, it's good. But we had the fried chicken and the okra with shrimp was absolutely divine. And you can find some great food around town. And that's what I've been enjoying, just um, hitting these different little restaurants. And um, it's just been a pleasure. And the Grady V's menu has just oh, updated. Yeah. I don't know if you have been there recently. It I is amazing. Stuffed chicken. Yes. Yes. So I just thought that it would be fun to kind of spotlight. You have been singing the praises of Mojo's food yeah. recently. Yeah. And so I was like, ah, we have to tell we have to tell our listeners who live locally. They definitely need to try try those places out if they haven't. Now, I want you to think before we wrap up, if there's anything that has stuck out to you in the last week or the last two weeks since you have been on the campaign trail that's really stuck out to you. Maybe a story you might like to share. I have a funny story. Okay. 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 The funny uh, last week I, I met up with this gentleman and he, he stopped me and he said, Hey, Miss Sandy, I want to tell you a story. It's really a funny story about what happened. Um, we appreciate you coming to our house. Your palm cord was on our door. And we loved how you indicated, sorry, we missed you and appreciate your vote. But he said there was one thing that happened that was so funny. My wife and I were out of state and we have our security camera on. And it, every time the wind would blow your palm cord, it would move in front of the camera and it would take a snapshot <laughs> of your picture. So we had over... 300 pictures of you while we were in uh, whatever state he mentioned out of state. And he said, so uh, he said, so I got the point. Vote for Sandy Holloway, right? <laughs> That's right. Vote for Sandy Holloway. All right. Well, so good being able to connect with our listeners yet again this week. And we look forward to sharing more content. Continue to follow the show, leave comments. You can also leave comments on social media, submit us questions via email or through our social media outlets. And we'll be happy to feature that on the podcast. Thank you so much. 